So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. Welcome back to Deconstructing Health and Fitness. Hopefully it's welcome back because today we're doing the second part of the Noom review and summary. So we've downloaded it and we've been through the initial questionnaire and it was incredibly comprehensive for an app of its kind. And this is kind of why we decided to do this review is because they're touting themselves as something completely new and different than previously. And we wanted to see if it was true because maybe it is and maybe it isn't. But if you listen to the previous episode, it'll talk a little bit about the marketing strategies that Noom has used to generate your interest and to overcome any kind of hesitation you might have based on past experiences with diets and things like that. And so it's quite interesting from a psychology perspective, how effective that is. Um, and so then the, the proofs in the pudding really of does it live up to what it's saying it is. And Liz has some feelings about that so far. I have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of feelings. So so just really quick before you dive into <laughs> what it is you are going to say, I just want to say for everybody listening, if you haven't listened to previous episodes of this, Liz has been dieting on and off for most of her life. And so what we've been working through is just some new strategies or ways to sort of help her work around some of the negative associations that she's developed through going through diet after diet after diet. Right. And so this is one of the one of the reasons it's interesting for us to test Noom out is because um, it could be in another situation, something else that Liz might try if she hadn't been doing work in a different direction. I mean, I almost tried it regardless of this podcast, regardless of our work together, because I remember yeah. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's on every single podcast I listen to. It's all over Instagram. Um, I think it's on Pinterest probably too. Uh, it's it's everywhere. And I and there were times when I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm really, I just want some ding, um, really highly visual outcome results. Uh, and I don't want to have to do like a process. I just want, I just want to lose like 60 pounds, like, you know, without, with like, yeah, you know, you just get in that, you get in that headspace. And so I almost bought into it months and months back. Um, so, I mean, I was still coming. I'm still, I was coming at a place of, hey, maybe this is actually helpful and will just be a really great also like supplemental thing that will help keep me on track um, and keep me on the wagon, I think is specifically what kind of language they like to use so you don't fall off the wagon, even though they were also touting 
that there is no wagon and it's no, they were not saying there was no wagon. That's a me thing, right? Oh. I say there's no wagon because yes. one of the things I want our listeners to understand is that it's not that the process that we're working on isn't helping you or encouraging you to lose weight, but what we're doing is we're not depriving you or not going about it in a way that makes you restrict a lot for a long period of time, because those are the experiences that you've had in the past that have led you to where you are now, right? Because it's actually funny, while we were getting set up for this today, I was reading an article, James Corden just came out and said, um, you know, after trying every single diet on the planet, basically, you know, he's found something he thinks is working for him and it's permanent lifestyle and permanent habit change. And so it's like the tenants are always the same, right? If you want change, you have to actually take action. And a lot of the products and services that are out there are designed to make you feel like you're taking action, but maybe it's not sustainable action. So what we are doing is yeah. more geared towards like, this is sustainable stuff you're going to have to do for the rest of your life. Well, that sounds terrible. You're going to have to do it, but that you're going to be okay doing for the rest of your life. Because there, I love that language you just said that you're going to be okay with doing because so much out there is designed. Like I, I have shown, I can, I can radically change my body by um, going extreme and I've done it more than once. And um, that's the place I've coming, I'm coming from where I have, you know, got, got down to a very small size and lightweight, especially for my height and stature um, by doing certain methods mm-hmm. and I'm coming from that place of where I know that that quote unquote works, but you, you've taught me to be like, Oh, does it, does it really work if you, if it like worked once and then, and then wasn't it all sustainable? What, what does that mean? You know, in a, you did it in a very non-condescending way, <laughs> but it was, it was, it, you know, we get so caught up, like this worked for me. I went on keto and I lost 30 pounds, but then I gained back 50, but keto really worked you guys. And I'm like, what? Right. And so it's actually this thing. It was um, Dr. John Barardi that taught me this years ago now. And I don't remember if it was in a seminar or when I had accosted him after one of his seminars to kind of pick his brain. And he kind of said, um, And I know he said it since in other podcasts and things, but this idea of like, how's that working for you now? You know, it's the, the crux of it is maybe it did work for a while, but is it working now? Are you at your health and fitness goals now? Because if you're not, then what you're doing isn't working for you. Yeah. Because anything that has a finite period of time, and this is just the nature of life, I think is like, it's evolutionary you have to evolve your habits and your strategies and your systems for maintaining your health have to evolve as you do because unfortunately for all of us time just doesn't stand still (laughs) and the body I had 10 years ago sure was a whole lot more durable than the one I've got now and you know dealing with that requires a set of evolving strategies that's not going to stop you know so it's like it's not just that like I did this thing and it worked for me and it's going to work forever it's like you need a set of tools that's going to allow you to adapt your strategies as your body changes as your life changes and that's what we're talking about and that's the difference I hope that we're going to be getting towards when we talk about Noom is like what are they doing to help people with that as a whole and is it effective um, or is it more of the same 
which is short-term diet strategies that won't be sustainable in the really long foreseeable future. And it's the difference between building healthy foundations and healthy habits that you can use to continue to improve your health and finding quick fixes or desperation solutions. Like you said, it's like, oh, I've got to lose this weight. You know, I'm going to do it. I can white knuckle my way through this. Um, those things do work for those sure. Tactics, yeah. Those tactics are there to help you survive horrible experiences. They're not there for you to thrive and actually be able to sustain. Right. And this is the secret too, I think. And it's not a secret. It's just the cold hard reality is your outcomes are a result of a pile of actions you took and decisions you made. And yeah. what you're dealing with now is the culmination of that. I don't mean you personally, I mean anyone in any yeah. not just your physical weight or your health. Yeah. yeah. And some things are out of your control. You know, some things you're just born with or born into. And those are the things you've got to work around. And you can be grumpy about it if you want to, but it's not going to change it. So how do you actually affect those changes? So let's talk about noon because we both had a few days now, five or six days to actually go through the process. And I know you have a fairly unpleasant view of it at this point. So let's start with you because I think what we've been talking about up until now really leads into what you're about to say. So, cause you've already told me a little yeah. bit how you feel. <laughs> we've been texting. So <laughs> yeah, because I was actually, I did my intake on, I did my intake the day after we last talked. So I did my intake on Saturday morning. I went through a couple of different lessons and I was like, yeah, this is cool. By Monday, I had unsubscribed. I had deleted the app and I was like, nope. And I was like almost in tears. I think I was in tears because Noom has this aspect where they're all like, this is when you're going to reach your ideal weight. And it's like, wow, that seems like a pretty intense promise that you're going to get me to reach my ideal weight. I'm like, okay. Um, and then what it, even though it was trying to come from this place of behavioral change and, you know, your lifestyle and, you know, we're going to really help you. And I even put, I didn't put like, uh, they had like, which pace do you want to go at? And I know you put like rabbit or something, which is like the fastest. And I chose the middle tier because I know, I already knew what I needed to do to lose as much weight as quickly as possible. Um, I've already done that before. And guess what? It didn't fucking, it didn't work in the long term at all. And I was a miserable person and I hated my life and I hated everyone. And I was miserable to be around because I hated my life (laughs) and it was not worth it. Right. And this is a common thing. So I think what you touched on is important because it is the common factor between all of these different apps and even with trainers or coaches that you hire, the tendency to want to guarantee your results is really overwhelming because when you're selling a service, you want to guarantee the value of that service. And so we like tangible things, that thing in your hand, you paid for nothing. And so this, this idea of guaranteeing results in a specific period of time makes people feel comfortable signing up for your service. And so it's really hard to get away from it. And it makes people, you know, know, I've trained a lot of trainers um, over the years and taught them how to sell packages, taught them how to 
um, maintain their clients rather than you know having to worry about constantly reselling new packages. Like how do you keep people committed and going and all of this stuff and the tendency to guarantee like you're going to be able to affect what somebody else does with 90% of their time when they're not with you is, is a false promise no matter what you do. I cannot, no matter how great of a trainer I am, I cannot control more than five-ish hours a week of your time. And with 167 hours of time in the week, that's such a tiny fraction of the entirety of your existence. There's no way I can guarantee what's going to happen to you. I cannot yeah. do anybody who is willing to do that, I think possibly just hasn't gone down the road of coaching long enough to realize that really that's not viable. Yeah. And the only, the only time people do do that, it's for very, it's for celebrities who are making great physical changes for a movie that is temporary and they go balls to the walls and the celebrities if they're honest they're just going to be all like this is awful like I hate my life and I cannot sustain this this is only for this one freaking shirtless scene for this Marvel movie and they're getting paid millions of dollars this is something I talk you know my pro athletes and my Olympic athletes about a lot is like where we sit during competition season and, and the things I'm asking you to do during competition season to achieve your peak performance are peak performance tools. They're not to be yeah. used all the time. When you've got a fighter who needs to cut weight for a specific day, you're going to do whatever you have to do. Nobody is trying to tell you that it's going to be healthy, but yeah. it will be effective. And that's the difference here. We're not talking about the same things when we talk about a celebrity cutting weight for a shirtless scene as somebody trying to lead a healthy life that's taking care of their body. These are not the same strategies, they're not the same goals. And so there's a real, I think there's a trap here. If you're not careful, it's easy to fall into it. And even if you're an experienced dieter and somebody who's experienced with working on themselves from a different perspective and trying to go more the intuitive eating route, um, you can still fall into these traps into Noom. And I don't think Noom is a total trap. I think what I see from the professional perspective in this app, I know it's super triggering for you, but what I saw was a lot of really big steps forward in the kind of automated coaching experience that Noom is creating. I mean, there was a lot in there that was hugely, hugely forward from some of the stuff that used to be around. You know, some of the major bonuses was it actually went through multiple different aspects of health. It didn't just focus on the food. It was talking about breathing. It was talking about stress reduction. It was talking about, um, you know, who's on your team, trying to set you up accountability for other people to be making sure that you're doing what you need to do. Because this is these are the secrets of success, you know, of sustainable change. We talk about environment. We talk about systems. We talk about strategies, you know, for for the most part, when we're trying to make long-lasting change. So they're getting some of the components super right. Yes. But, <laughs> but, uh, absolutely. And that would be great if that's what they were really touting. But what they're really touting under it all, at least what triggered the fuck out of me, is that they told me 1,200 calories a day. And that makes me want to punch a hole in the wall because that was my... um that was my anorexic calorie allotment that got me down to my tiny size, which made me, I was fainting every other day. I was stripped as 
fuck about the 1200 calories. So the fact that they gave me that exact number, you know, if you watch those awful reality shows that like exploit people, that's what they'll give them. Let's just discuss the long-term results of the biggest loser, because this is what we're talking about. Oh my God. The results of the biggest loser were terrible. And so Yes. yes, these people did it. But again, TV show being paid, you know, promised fame and all these other things. And they did lose the weight, but under incredible strain and also under a 100% focus. Those people had somebody accountable for their performance all the time. And shaming them constantly. Right. They left their home environments. They were basically in a boot camp. Like how can you not change under those situations or those circumstances? You have to, and that's artificial. So then when you go back into your home environment, what happens, right? Did you actually make lasting habit change? No. So you see that come out in that situation. And just to kind of talk about the 1200 calorie thing, I mean, body size matters. And what I'll say is how tall are you? You're six, one or six, two. I'm just under six foot, five, 11 and a half. Okay. So she's like, basically six feet tall and I'm five, four and a half and going independently through this app. And I'm older as well, right? Like how old are you again? Do you mind saying? 34. You're 34. So I've almost got a decade on you. I'm 42. And despite those two very important factors, it gave both of us the same calorie allotment. That's insane. It may, it did make me feel better when, when you said it gave you the cal- the same calorie allotment, but then it also made me feel disgusted that, oh, when it comes down to it, they can put as much freaking spit shine as they want on it. When it comes down to it, it's like you eat the minimum amount of calories to keep you from dying. And then if you don't reach your goal weight, goal weight, it's like they can shame yeah. you about not eating 1200, 1200 calories. Well, for somebody who's as tall as you is, it's, that's not a sustainable amount of calories. I mean, I already approved that that's not a sustainable amount twice in my life when I fell into that trap, lost a bunch of weight, and then, of course, gained it all back when I had a lifestyle change. Like, mm-hmm. the last time was when I went to university, um, and they they have you be on a meal plan. You know, you don't have a refrigerator. You don't have a way of cooking for yourself. No. Um I couldn't control and count the calories because they only provided these ready-made meals <laughs> and gained all this weight, you know, because my whole system was taken away because I had nothing else to go on except for my calorie count. Well, and let's just discuss for a minute. Like, again, there is never something that's always bad or always good. And so if we talk about 1200 calories from the point of view of if you're morbidly obese and your health is in danger imminently, like if you are really you know, minutes, hours, days away from a heart attack or a stroke, 1200 calories may be the right move for you because it's an extreme situation which requires an extreme solution. Yeah. What it also requires after that is a ton of support, emotional, physical, psychological support to maintain a healthy weight once you get down to where you need to be because yeah, your gas pedal brake pedaling things. It's like, mm-hmm. if, you know, gaining all of the weight was your gas pedal moment and slamming on the brakes at 1200 calories gets you back to a safe speed to travel along the highway. What happens when you lift your foot off the brake? What does your foot do? You know, it's going to go back to the gas pedal. And, and now we start the yo-yo cycle that creates such absolute havoc on your metabolism and your overall health, right? Because it's actually, you know, it sometimes feels like you can't win when you start looking into losing weight because it's like, yeah. you lose it too fast. It's bad. If you lose it 
too slow, you don't get to your goal. If you diet, you're damaging your metabolism. And there's all sorts of conflicting information out there that makes this really complex, right? Yeah, for sure. There may be a situation where 1200 calories is appropriate. Chances are, if that's what you want to eat for the rest of your life, that's not it. And it's never all one solution. It's never like, okay, just eat 1200 calories and sit on your ass all day in a hammock. It's like, (laughs) you know, we want to create a calorie deficit. Like the laws of thermodynamics are immutable. You need to expend more energy when you're taking in to lose weight. But if let's say your benchmark calorie intake at five foot 11 and a half um, is somewhere around 1900 calories a day, and we drop you to 1200 and you also increase your activity at the same time, you're creating around a thousand calorie deficit, which bought your body goes, whoa. And it starts to kind of protect itself. And so also to yeah. other secondary systems kick in. So it's really not about creating the biggest calorie deficit for the fastest weight loss. That, that tends to backfire. We know that, right? There's a hundred million opportunities to see that in action at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is one of the things that really I found super upsetting about Newton. And maybe I haven't gone through it enough to find out that they adjust your calorie intake based on different things, but for it to have fundamentally given you and me the same calories out of the gate is a bit of a red flag for me. Just a little. I'd like to see how much they give men. The second, well, oh, that's a good question. Right? Can you imagine if you do it as and you you pretend to be a guy and they're all like, you can have 2,000 calories. I would kill, like, I would, like, I would smash my phone. That's highly yeah. unlikely. I would say they're probably just putting a standard in and hitting it. But it doesn't mean it's good for guys either. You know, it's, just, yeah. it's yeah. calories. It's, you know, it's, it's very rarely the right move. So anyway, there's that. And the other thing I would say that I found super triggering for me personally, because I have my own triggers, like mine was the fact that it was shaming me about not wanting to weigh myself every day. Ah, uh, yes. The, the whole weighing yourself every day they're like you need you should success is based on if you weigh yourself every day well and the reason for that and here's the psychology behind it and why they're they're pushing it is because it's about measurements and you know how i am about that too like if you're not assessing you're guessing you need to measure something yeah scale weight is not the only opportunity to see progress yeah it also isn't necessarily the best indicator of change and so to have that be the only metric available, considering how much customization they've put into other aspects of the app, I think is really poor because, I mean, they could very easily have done circumference measurements Yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, it, it shouldn't be either or because there are a lot of people who don't do well measuring themselves every day. It creates a really terrible psychological cycle. Some people are totally fine with it. Some people find it really, really helpful. And it holds them accountable, so to speak. If it helps you, great, then do it. But if, you've, if you know for a fact that weighing in every day creates bigger problems of self-worth and judgment and negative self-talk, it's not going to make you more accountable to the app. It's going to make you less because you will avoid yeah. it at some point. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I think for me, that was the... That was the one really big, but again, those are my triggers, right? Your trigger was the 1200 calories. Yeah. Mine was the daily weigh-in. And so. Because you and I have both done those things. It's not like, no, I'm scared to try it. It's like, no, we've done it. And it's not. And the fact that they, 
the fact that they're not giving you another option is really shitty. It's it's like they're they're anticipating that people have never tried anything before and they're just giving them some helpful advice. And I'm like, I'm sure most people have tried a lot. Well, I think that's probably the reality of people coming to this app is that they have tried a lot of things in the past. And I think there's two things going on here. It's not necessarily they're doing it to be shitty specifically, but it's like, it's comfortable. People expect to weigh themselves when they start a diet or work on their health. Um, and they expect to restrict themselves and, and put a bunch of foods on the can't have list. Mm-hmm. And they also expect to achieve results by a certain date. These are part of the expectations of that sales process we were talking about earlier, right? Here's the service I'm, I'm buying and here's what I expect it to do for me. So what they're doing is they're coming along with the same tried and true. And I, you know, I say that with a bit of tried and true and quotations. Right. With these, these tried and true metrics for what they think or feel or believe are weight loss helpers and it's accountability. It's um, a structure and it's um, feedback, right. And measuring. Yep. I just found it. And your regular green light foods, which I mean, none of these things are wrong. None of these things are not components of improving your health. It's just that the way that they're presented is actually in this case, not significantly different from anything else that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it was toted as such as like, this is very different. I'm like, no, it's no, it's not. I could have gone to anyone. Huh? It's somewhat different because they are. Okay, yeah, it's somewhat different. But um, I could have gone to myself and been like, hey, why don't you just only eat 1,200 calories again? Then you'll reach your full weight, quote unquote. I'm like, I don't need Noom to tell me that. I know that. And I've tried that. And guess what? Like it didn't, like it didn't create a happy life. And it definitely, I may have lost a bunch of weight. I felt like crap and was fainting all the time. Like it wasn't optimal health at all. And this is the sticky wicket, right? To coin a British phrase. This is the sticky wicket. Sticky wicket. It's about it's about the trade-offs. And what trade-offs you're willing to make right now in your life. And maybe at a previous time in your life, this particular thing being a specific weight was the most important thing, and therefore those trade-offs were worth it. Well, I just feel like I have a lot. I feel like, and I don't want to trauma compare. I know a lot of people have lots of different traumas, but I feel like I I do have a lot of trauma from that that has really gotten in my way of getting to, um, you know, to use the the metric of weight to to getting to where I, I would like to be. And now I just feel like I'm super blocked because whenever I get something like that, where Noom is like, eat 1200 calories a day, I just feel like, fuck you. And I feel like, like going crazy because I want to rebel against it because I was so upset and miserable and sad and angry at society that it clapped for me and that everyone was like, yay, good job. When I felt so sick again, like it's gross and it makes me angry. And so I take it out then on myself also. Yeah. And you know, that, when you say it, you hear what you say and you think that's ridiculous. Why do I do that? But it is actually a really, really common cycle because it's this idea of just you're fighting with your body still. 
And anything, any system that sets you up to fight your body is a long-term bad solution, you know, and eventually, eventually your body usually wins. Yeah. You're willing to double down, you know? (laughs) It's a child. It's a child. that will just not stop screaming until it gets what it wants. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's unfortunate because our relationships with our bodies don't have to be that way. They don't have to be that way. And that's partially social conditioning. It's partially, you know, the, for lack of a better way to say it, it's like the primary goal in the world is reproduction, right? It's what we're here for. And anything that jeopardizes our ability to reproduce is a pretty high priority. And so when you make beauty and body image part of that, it becomes a very compelling thing. Mm. So, you know, trying, and I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying you should just do whatever and it's awesome. I'm trying to say like, there's a middle ground here between any kind of restrictive eating and a free for all because it's not, you can't have a free for all either. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I think just to go back to what we're, we're genuinely trying to assess here is like, is Noom worth it? Is Noom something that's genuinely going to be different than something else you've tried? And I would say on a scale of one to 10, you know, me and I, one to 10 scales, <laughs> I'd give a seven, honestly. Really? Because, a seven? Wow. Because I do think that even though it's triggering for me and you in specific ways, mm-hmm. I think it's more comprehensive than any other sort of behavior change thing that I've seen, except for... I think I tried this app. I think it was called Happy or something like that. And it was- Happify? Maybe it was that. And I I remember downloading that and it was not focused on weight loss. It was focused Mm -hmm. on habit change. And it's using the same structures. And any any book you read in the self-help section in the decade of the 2010s (laughs) is going to tell you that small change is the secret to success. Yeah. I would argue- that although it is a component and a great tool, it is not the only way to achieve success because sometimes the big gesture is just as important. I mean, yeah, when it's a major lifestyle change, like you and I leaving LA. Right. Like you can't do that. That was a, not, that was a, a sweeping gesture. Right. And sometimes those opportunities are catalysts for more change than you would be able to implement in a slow fashion. Yeah. Or getting out of a toxic relationship. It's like, I mean, last time I I gained a bunch of weight was because I was in a really abusive relationship and, um, my God, I, I didn't even, I was so blind to how it was affecting my, my body and my, my eating and my self-worth. Um, and then getting out of that relationship changed a lot. So that was a sweeping gesture. (laughs) Yeah. And this is, I think the crux of the issue is that there's no app or person or coach or service you're going to purchase or consume. That's going to do the work for you. Yeah. Even if they try to promise it. Right. But that doesn't mean that there aren't helpful tools out there, you know, having a coach or finding an app that you're willing to stick to or um, an accountability buddy, somebody who's going to work out with you, you know, creating these systems and structures for yourself is absolutely possible, but it's harder than trying to find somebody to help you with it. Yeah. So what for sure. On a scale of one to 10. 
I mean, I was so triggered. I feel like I couldn't go any further with it because that it upset me so much, so much. Um, so for my personal experience, I would have given it like a three mm. out of 10. Um, because I mean, I just want to be all like, fuck you to Noom because I'm like, of course, if you tell somebody 1200 calories, they're going to lose, like, they're going to lose weight, you asshole. <laughs> I'm like, congratulations. Wow. You really broke the code, didn't you? But I'm a very cynical, angry person sometimes. So I'm, I'm sure their heart is in the right place, but, but. Well, not? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I go that far. I mean, chances are, I do believe that for the most part, like things that are out there in the world are things that, for the most part, people have created in good faith. And I don't think Noom is not one of those things. I yeah. do think it was created in good faith, but I think it's like a lot of things that I see in fitness. It's trying to streamline and simplify a messy, complicated process. Yeah. It just doesn't fit in that box a lot of the time. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it, it just it ends up getting for me lumped into the quick fix box. Yeah. And it feels like that because I'm assuming uh they wouldn't be all you should stay at twelve hundred calories forever. Well, I don't know. And I think the thing about it is is that <laughs> I kind of want to know because I I've gotten to the point in the app now where it says like, hey, you know, do you want help one-on-one -on -one with a coach? And I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know what that's like. Because how do you deal with the issue where I just say, stone cold, I can't stick to 1,200 calories a day. I feel terrible. Yeah. What do they Are say they, at that point? What, do they double down? You're like, you'll, you'll get used to it. Your body's just going through an adjustment period, which I'm sure some people like to say. I mean, that would, this is where, for me, this, is, this would be the crux of if this app is different or not because if it's yeah. different it'll be you can do it and it'll be a bunch of cheerleading to encourage you to stick to it yeah um and if it's like legit you have a coach being all like why don't you add in some more protein you know calories how's your vegetable intake are you getting enough nutrients yeah. are you drinking enough water how's your sleep you know really having somebody genuinely coach you um on the holistic nature of your health yeah yeah I i'd also like to know about their coaches and uh, who are the people who are the coaches yeah, you know what certification process do they go through that you yeah I, I would wager that they go through some sort of in-house coaching mm, in-house coaching yeah, which unfortunately for everybody in the fitness industry is just part and parcel of being employed by most fitness places is they have their own. Yeah. Which means, you know, you get a high amount of variability. Some of it is probably exceptional quality and some of it is probably poor quality. And then there's everything in the middle, which makes the consumer mm. even more the victim, right? Yeah. You have time and money wasted if you can't be sure that the standard is a certain level like if there's no yeah yeah for sure um it's just really I don't know I really did feel kind of industry health and fitness and wellness and and people it's like the second most important thing besides reproduction <laughs> is health uh, so people are willing and able and 
absolutely committed to spending whatever they have to feel better or look better. Well, and to look better, yeah. I mean, let's be real with America. <laughs> it's not just America, though. I mean, I, I would say it's no different in other countries. It's just, it's got a different bit of wrapping paper on it. You know, it's the same, it's the same present when you open it up. <laughs> Sometimes, right, it's yeah, go sometimes it's a shiny bow sometimes oh. it's a bow. you know I mean it's like I think all humanity struggles with some of these things I don't think it's unique to America but America definitely has a unique flavor of it oh yes indeed. and LA as well you know LA and the fitness world itself it's like just being in you know just outside of Boulder now for all of the three weeks that I've been here, this is a totally different flavor of fitness. I mean, everyone yeah. outside. Everyone. Isn't Boulder the fittest city in America? I feel like I saw that. Yeah. We just got that this year. Um, and it's, it it's, used to be San Diego. It was. I was born. <laughs> but it's interesting to, you know, to sort of interact with people here because everyone is outside. <laughs> it feels like. You know, and I happen to live just next to Boulder County Open Space, which I, I learned from one of my neighbors. The road that leads to our neighborhood is um, actually an Ironman course. And so it explains oh, wow. why I watch people on bicycles <laughs> all day, every day up and down this road. And there's like three bike cafes within, I don't know, two, three miles of here. Mm-hmm. Because this is clearly where people come to train. And so, you know, you've got a very, very opposite approach to fitness and health and wellness here than mm-hmm. what you see in LA because everything yeah. you have to be in the gym five days a week, you know, you Yeah. You're staring at yourself and taking right. Instagram pictures. Yeah, hiking's a nice pastime, but it's what you do for recovery day. It's not yeah. working out, you know, and it's it's interesting. And I'm 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 cater- I'm I'm stereotyping quite a lot. And there are obvious exceptions, but for the most part, you know, gyms seem to serve more of a, like, I'm getting ready for the things I'm going to go do outside function versus a, mm. I'm getting ready to look good naked. And I only ever go to the gym because if yeah. I'm not, in the gym, it doesn't count as exercise. So yeah, oh, I, I mean, kind of love that about Colorado because I, um, I did my latest vision board ooh. and it was all people like outside doing activities because I find I do, oh, I feel when I go outside and do, I mostly do hiking and then I'll do running on the hiking trails and I feel like, like I want it. I'm jonesing for it. That feels like it fills me up um, way more than the gym ever did. Yeah. Um, although I also lift weights still. Um, and in fact, I just re-injured my shoulder by bench pressing. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, isn't that, I was like, between that and Noom, like I was bench pressing and my stupid bicep tendon thing slipped out of place again. And I got all sorts of injured and I dropped my, I had to drop my weight, like oh. actually drop it on the freaking ground because my arm was all fucked up. <laughs> and between that and Noom, I really had a little pity party of like, why do I even fucking try? Because you've had a tremendous number of successes in between the setbacks that you're describing too, you know, and this is the, this yeah. is that's, that's challenging is to remember all of the opportunities for failure that didn't happen. You know, I mean, how much have you been, yeah. how many times have you benched and out of how many times have you failed at benching? Like one out of what? Yeah. Three? 
Well, technically twice because the last time I injured my shoulder, I was benching. I think I might just get away from benching because I was doing, I was doing cable, cable chest presses and I was fine. I just probably shouldn't be in that position. It's too, my shoulder's too unstable in that position. What you need is a coach who's going to give you Well, that. Well, that, Chris, I mean, well, I'll just give me one of those noom coaches to help me. Well, Yeah. 
And this goes for coaching too. You know, if, if between sessions, when I meet with a client, they've not done any of the things that they've agreed to do, or they've not put the effort in, in the way that they've agreed to do it. It's not that that's a bad thing. We can assess that. We can say, maybe it wasn't the right thing to focus on right now. Let's focus on something different. We can say, okay, if it was too hard, how do we break it down smaller? And then from there, we move on. But if week after week after week, you're coming to whatever coach or person you've hired to help you with this or app, and you haven't taken any action of your own and you haven't made those adjustments, you can't expect anything to be different. Yeah, kind of like you are meeting up with someone on the trail, let's say the Appalachian Trail, since it's so freaking long. And you're like, I'm going to meet you at this point, 50 miles down the road, like 50 miles down the trail. You need them to like meet you there. And if they stay at the same base camp or whatever, I guess not a base camp, because not a mountain, whatever. They stay at the same spot, then, you know, what can you do? You're not going to go back for them. Well, as coaches, we do go back for you. But there comes a certain point where it's like, I've completed this journey that you're, you're going down. That's the point of being the coach, right? It's the idea is you've done the journey to some degree, or you have some knowledge of the trail that that person needs. But if, you know, if I'm showing you the map and where to go and you go completely the opposite direction, I can't be held accountable for that. And that goes back to this idea of paying for this outcome. You cannot pay anybody or any app or service or product for the outcome. It comes from your actions and your actions alone. So you can set up your systems so that things don't get in your way when you want to make the correct choices for yourself and your goal. You can do all of these things, but under no circumstances can I do it for you. Yeah. You know, so I think this is the trouble with a lot of these things is the expectation. I always feel like when I sign up a new client, I go kind of hard at them about this. And it's like, look, I am not going to guarantee results. I say that I'm not going to guarantee anything. The only person that could do that is you. Yeah. So on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you to making these changes right now? Because mm-hmm. if it's below an eight, this might not be the time to start. And I've turned people yeah. away and said, hey, I don't think this is for you right now. And that's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a judgment. It's not me like firing clients because I've heard of that too, or you know, personal trainers fire clients or whatever <laughs> because of non-compliance. And it's like that's not what that is. What it is is saying, like, is this something you're genuinely ready? to take action on. Yeah. Are you in the phase of, of change where you are ready to take the action? And if you're not, do you need help getting there? We can do that too. Yeah. But like, let's be clear about where you're at. Yeah. And set the right expectations for this, you know? So, I mean, I think to sum up, if you really need to learn the foundations of what it is you need to eat to be healthy, Noom might be able to help you. If Mm -hmm. you are an experienced dieter and you've done every diet known to man and you're looking at this one to be the next or the the one that's going to change it all for you, don't do it. It's not. Yeah, for sure. Right? And there are actually a large number of people out there who genuinely do need to learn the foundations at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm still learning like that wonderful article you sent me today. Um, just as an avid calorie counter for so long, I just 
was like all calories are created equal. Like, yeah, of course you want to eat like more fruits and vegetables and like healthy food, quote unquote healthy food. But, um, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as you only eat 1200 calories a day. That was always my thing. I mean, at a certain point you create a big enough calorie deficit. It doesn't matter what I feed you. You will, you will lose body mass. Yeah. Trying to exist on 1200 calories a day of Big Mac is pretty freaking hard because the food volume is like wee. It's teeny weeny, right? (laughs) So yeah. Not all calories are created equal and not all bodies digest all calories equally. Yeah. Which is so, cause I, I'm one, I love like creamy pureed stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think I was reading one of the PN articles about calorie absorption and it was talking about how you want to eat things. I didn't know you've told me and, you know, obviously the whole food thing and you want to eat things uh, in more in their natural state uh, within reason. Um, and I was like, oh shit, no, because I like, like, I like mashed potatoes. I almost never have mashed potatoes. I usually just cut them into chunks, but I didn't, I didn't actually realize that. Yeah. If you're doing some of the work that your digestive system is trying to, to, is supposed to do for you with breaking that all down, you're not expending as many calories and you also absorb calories differently more you absorb more calories like if if i steamed if i steamed and pureed carrots i would absorb more of those carrot calories than if i just had some raw carrots in the exact same in the exact same volume is that true okay yes most of the time (laughs) so Back to, you know, you can go back to anthropology and we can actually talk about human evolution and when our brains got bigger was around the period where we started cooking our food. And the reason for that is because we did part of the food processing for our bodies. That's what cooking does. It breaks down the cell walls. It breaks down some of the harder to access nutrients into more accessible parts. So cooked food has more calories generally than raw food does. So if you wanted to look at like, let's take the potato, the potato yeah. and the actually will do both because and it's both. not, it doesn't have, it doesn't have more calories. You're just absorbing more of the calories that Correct. it holds. Correct. It doesn't have more calories. So you add something to it like oil or butter or yeah. cream or whatever it is you added to the potato. But let's talk about that. Cream. A raw potato out of the ground. It's poisonous. This was <laughs> not a food that we were capable of digesting until we learned to cook it. Mm-hmm. And then once we learn to cook it, it's actually a super nutritious food that gives us a lot of things, right? And then we realized it was so awesome <laughs> and versatile that we could do all sorts of stuff to it. And it also absorbs a tremendous amount of fat really well. Oh, yeah. And flavor. That mm-hmm. scale, you've got a food that's fundamentally inedible in its raw state to a food that is like, super palatable, highly edible, and highly absorbable in its most processed form. And it's a great example of how not all calories are the same and why Mm -hmm. how you eat something matters. And so the same thing with the carrot. Like if we take a raw carrot out of the ground and you start chewing on it, you're only going to get so many calories out of that because your body breaks things down chemically, right? You don't light things on fire. You don't burn absolutely every kilojoule of energy out of a food. You get what you get by the chemical process. And the bigger the chunks, the less you get because your body moves it through, right? 
You're just a big tube. And there's a and certain then time you're, you're also in your body. You're also expending more calories by chewing. Remember the whole celery thing that yeah. they were trying to tout? It's so trivial, though. I mean, unless like literally, <laughs> no. you know, you're going to spend all day chewing. It's a negligible amount of, of calories, most likely. But we Remember can- that, that diet tactic where it's like you need to chew your food X amount of chews before yeah. you swallow? What the hell is that? Well, it's actually much better for your digestion if you're looking at digestion from a point of view of calorie and nutrient absorption, right? The more, that's the first step in digestion. Well, actually, technically the first step is smelling the food because your olfactory system kicks in and tells you whether or not something smells good or looks good. So that's actually the first step. And then you put it in your mouth and like a shit ton of stuff actually happens in your saliva. That's really, really cool and interesting to break foods down initially to prepare it to even get to your stomach acid. Um, and they actually just, a study just came out recently about um, <laughs> paleolithic man and what they ate. And they actually used the bacteria or the enzyme amylase, which is the one that digests carbohydrates and the quantity on fossilized teeth was used to determine how, what percentage of carbohydrates were in the diet, which is a very accurate way to do it, really, because you do secrete different enzymes in your mouth to digest yeah. foods that go in there, right? So that's why your olfactory system kicks in first, because it's like, oops, smells like meat. I'm going to get some of that juice ready. And oh, it's carbohydrates, I'm going to get the carb juice ready, you know? And so your, your mouth is already doing the job before you put it in. That's why your mouth waters, right? We have this literal expression like oh that makes my mouth water yes because you're already mentally digesting that food oh that's crazy but so then so what did they find out physiology right you don't understand how this stuff works it's really really hard to understand what's valid and what isn't yeah so what did they find out about the the paleo diet the paleo diet was not predominantly based on meat it wasn't shocker shocker Shocker. Right. It was predominantly, you know, tubers and things and root vegetables and leaves and whatever they foraged, because that was a whole lot easier than stabbing it and dragging it home. And and right. I like how how people think that it's like, I just went out every day and killed a boar. No problem. Right. And as an anthropology student from 20 something years ago, like we didn't do, we knew that that wasn't the case then either. Yeah, we hunted. I'm not saying we didn't eat meat and we didn't hunt, but it was like an awesome event when it happened. It wasn't like a you know I eat meat five times a day. <laughs> That's just not what yeah. it was. And so you know they're finding more and more ways to come out with evidence supporting that fact. And so paleo for for those of us who did, have done any anthropology was always a bit of a like mm, mm, they didn't have bacon. But it's such a cool Thanks. title, and it makes me feel like a badass person yeah sexy uh, with like animal hide and sinewy muscles yeah so it it's a lot of this you know educate yourself about your body and how it works educate yourself about like why you make the decisions that you make and what credible sources look like you know this is a real problem in american society today we can talk about it on a thousand different topics but like you've got to know enough to know if you're being duped. And I think this was tricky about apps like Noom or um, anything that promises you results in any time period. 
I mean, that's really up to you and also not even fully up to you because your body and maybe you go into diabetic shock because this diet program was telling you to do some fucked up shit. Well, you know, there's, yeah, we could talk about this forever, but I would say like my seven out of 10, because I do think there have been leaps and strides in what they're offering versus previous versions of, of an app similar to this. Absolutely. However, yeah. I do think that it's still problematic from the point of view of if you are a yo-yo dieter or somebody who's been on and off of diets, this is potentially not going to be any different than anything else you've tried. Yeah. I mean, I've come to a point in my life where I, instead of wanting to just like go balls to the walls so I can get to that elusive goal and then be like, I'm sure I'll stay there. Once I get there, I'm sure I'll be able to stay there. No, I'm done with that. That has not worked. Um, I'm really at that point where I'm just like, I just want to be able to sustain it and also enjoy my life. And if I can't enjoy my life because I hate, because I feel so deprived, it's not really worth it. <laughs> it depends. Is your health at risk? Right. So again, thankfully, no, according to doctors. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's again, where you get the autonomy and the, the personal choice to decide where that line is. You get to yeah. make, decision about what deprivation feels like and looks like for you you get to decide what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do you know and and as far as I'm concerned my role in that process is to help you decide if the information that you're using to base these decisions on is accurate helpful and in any way like rational for you my job is not to sit here and as far as I'm concerned again it's not to sit here and tell you the only way to do it is x and if you don't yeah you can't be successful that's I don't think that that's a good representation of humanity as a whole (laughs) so you know whatever you've tried in the past has taught you things that you need to know for now to make better decisions yeah tried new and it worked for you fantastic I hope it keeps working you know I hope that it's absolutely something you have learned from and you can take forward and it's going to allow you to continue to make good food decisions but if you tried new and it failed for you it's not your fault that it failed for you it's the fact that that's not the right solution based on your specific set of criteria it doesn't mean there isn't a solution there is and I'll tell you what it is there's no secret eat well, sleep well, take care of your emotional relationships and find meaning in your life. And these things mm-hmm. lead to better decisions. You know, so it's like, these are the components and how you put them together is the unique puzzle of you. And if you need help mapping that out, then that's okay. Get it. But yeah. don't expect an app to do it for you. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And on that note... Yeah, this was great. This was great. I'm glad we did this. Broke this up in part into two parts. Um, if anyone who is listening to this liked Noom, please don't feel like, oh, should I not like Noom? Like, yes, if it works for you, if you, you know, if, if it's if it's really working for you, then that is wonderful. Um, it triggered me. I'm not going to use it be- because I I feel like it's just going to lead me down the wrong path. Even though mentally I'm like, no, that's not the way, Elizabeth. I'm still going to be like, you know what? 
it's worth it because I feel really upset about something and I just want a quick fix, quote unquote. (laughs) Dieting can really be a drug. (laughs) It is a drug. It is another form of, you know, it's you're addicted to control. Oh yeah. Oh my God. And do I love that. Right. And so, and this is one of the reasons why we've done the anti-dieting thing for you. Right. And there's something else I want to say as well is like, as a coach, as a nutrition coach, this is not the only tool in my toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. For you particularly, I've brought this tool out because all those other tools you're just kind of beating yourself up with. So you need to put those down and maybe like find a, I don't know, like a pillow. Maybe you need a pillow instead of- I have a pillow. I'm laying on a pillow right now because I had six meetings today and then felt like I was going to do our hangout laying down because of six meetings. This is also why I think it's, it's, awesome that you've been willing to open up your personal journey on this podcast to everybody, because I think if you feel like you don't follow a traditional path of losing weight or improving your health, it can feel like you're just going to fail. And I think there are absolutely traditional ways that work and there are paths you can follow that are going to be super beneficial for you. But if those aren't working, that doesn't mean you fail. So that's, yeah. what's, that's what's been great, I think, about our earlier podcasts is just really talking specifically about the things you face versus what other people are attempting or, you know, what seems like the mainstream way to solve this problem. So yeah. I super appreciate that you've been willing to do that. Well, I appreciate you being here and, and coming on to be my guiding light. <laughs> I just feel like I, I felt like you I felt like you were gonna roll your eyes I was like oh that sounds so like I don't even know <laughs> you're my oh. guiding light oh I've learned in my 40s how to take a compliment I wasn't so good at it in my 20s well because you're a Virgo also <laughs> you know you're like no no people are like you're really awesome Chris you're like no I'm just uh doing my job that's me <laughs> no you are um really uh a beacon and I really am so happy we're doing this and I hope we can just support everyone and and let them know something you told me which is that you're not broken because I know it's tempting to be all like I didn't lose all this weight on Noom and in fact I gained weight because I felt so upset and deprived um and you're not broken you know you gotta find your way you gotta create your user's manual absolutely Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please submit them. We'd love to answer them on the podcast going forward. So yeah, reach out. Tell us what you think. Reach out. You hated it. Deconstructing. (laughs) Why? Deconstruct. Yeah, Chris will read all those. Um, Just kidding. (laughs) Deconstructing health and fitness. Find us on Facebook. We'll, We'll talk to you again. All right. Bye. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's what you take away from them. Wow. The more you know. Thank you.